Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt and this is Cutting Through the Matrix on April the 27th, 2011. For newcomers, I always suggest you look into my website, cuttingthroughthematrix.com and bookmark the other sites you see listed on the front page because sometimes the com gets overloaded with people going in, too many folk going in at the same time. So bookmark these other sites for future use. If you find sticking on downloads, then try these alternate sites. And remember, too, there's hundreds and hundreds of audios to choose from where I try to give you shortcuts to understanding the system you're born into and to show you how complex it is, this superstructure above politics, way above politics, that really runs the whole system that you take as normality. In fact, it gives you what you think is normality, and it's working on every generation, right from kindergarten onwards, to make sure they're given their idea of their reality for their time period, too. It's a very complex, very precise. It's all done through science, of course, and big money backing it. And, of course, they really work, all these big think tanks work on behalf of the big international bankers. It's been their world for a long, long time. And remember, too, you can go into uh, the sites to get transcripts as well as the audio uh, in English. They all carry the English transcripts of a lot of the talks I've given. Go into Alan Watt Sentient, sentinel.eu for transcripts in other languages. Remember, too, you're the audience that bring me to you. I don't generally bring on guests uh, as ever, who are really advertisers, uh, which is a normal way to, for a host to make their living. And uh, I'm trying it the suicidal way, so I'm putting it up to you to buy the books and discs I have for sale or donate and keep me going. So, uh, as I say, if you want to do that, buy the books and discs. You'll find out how to do it at CuttingThroughTheMatrix.com. From the U.S. to Canada, you can use a personal check. You can also use an international postal money order from the post office. Uh, You can use cash. And you can also use PayPal to order. Use the donation button you'll see and followed by an email with name, address, and order. I'll get it out to you. And remember, two straight donations are certainly, certainly appreciated. And across the world, you've got Western Union, MoneyGram, and again, PayPal to order using the donation button. And uh, again, straight donations are certainly appreciated because what I do on this broadcast is to try to show everyone how the whole world is moving uh, with their supposedly independent governments working all together uh, along the same path, same laws, all bound together through various treaties uh, put, to, put forward by private organizations working on behalf of foundations, which you don't elect, of course, they're all private, and binding us all into this prison, uh, which they call the New World Order, and that's what it is. It's a planned society uh, as we depopulate over the years and become sterile and all the rest of it. Um, they plan to bring out their brave new world for their Darwinian um, Grand finale, where the elite themselves, the ones who are fittest to survive, go on down through the ages, living on what's left of the Earth's resources. That's the whole idea behind it. 
And they've used the masses in the past to make this all happen for them, make it possible for them, as they built empires and took over other countries and added it to empires. We're seeing the, the finish of the empire building as they finish off the last few countries in the world, which were not in central banking systems, beholding to the World Bank and the private moneylenders, and that try to hold on to their own resources. They're all being bombed out of existence in the Stone Age, and all their oil and uh, minerals and all the rest of it being stolen from them, added to the bankers' coffers. So that's the world you're really in. It's quite simple. There's nothing mysterious about it at all. And, of course, most of the real governance, as they call it, of the planet is done in secrecy. Uh, it's never exposed by investigative journalism because there, there is no investigative journalism these days. Back with more after this break. Hi folks, I'm Alan Watt. We're back cutting through the matrix and as I've mentioned on so many broadcasts, you know, you can't really trust the media for anything. I've gone through some of the history of how the big boys themselves 100 years ago set up the system of controlling media and they even did surveys to find out how much of the mainstream they'd have to buy up, for instance, within the United States, how many papers they'd have to buy up so that the others would follow, of course, and you didn't have to buy up all of them, just a, a, a fraction of the biggie papers, and uh, the rest simply follow the big ones. It's quite easy to control information. It's even easier today, really, because on the Internet, there really is this gone mainstream, of course, as we always knew it would do. Uh, the big boys give you, make sure everyone's getting their daily dose. In fact, people who would never even listen to the news are now addicted to it because it's so easy on the Internet to part the stuff off. And it becomes, of course... Uh, you're, you're actually, it gives you your opinions on all the topics that they hand out for you to munch on. And we mushrooms at the bottom just munch on pretty well all the garbage that's churned out for us to be distracted with. It's quite easy. As I said at the beginning of this broadcast, we're, we're fed stuff to, to keep us diverted. And the real structure of control of this, this world, and it is a world system, integrated, as I say, through many, many treaties, and uh, much bill signing by different governments, all all getting on board together, stuck like glue in a, in a sense through all these treaties. Uh, so much so that certain countries can't back out of the agreements, even even to their detriment. They can, they're not allowed to 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 back out, so they go ahead with more and more treaties until they're in a prison. And that's been discussed even within the European Union where countries that, that could have made it on their own went bankrupt because of the EU laws. They couldn't do all of the things they used to do to get them out of a jam. They were totally stuck there, imprisoned by treaties and laws and regulations. And this is the world, of course, they're bringing in. And it isn't just on that level. Remember, this comes down to a personal level. It's called interdependence, which means you must be dependent for everything you need to live and survive on the system. And that's what it's all about. Just like they can bring down countries, they can bring down individuals. And you're going to see an awful lot of changes coming, awful lot of changes within the next 10, 20 years as they really go ahead. They've, they've written all of this as to where they're, they're taking us through all their, their releases, through their big think tanks, where they're taking us. 
And we're going to see all that coming in. We're going to see the food rationing. I've said that for years. That will come because the UN said it when they set up the Department of Agriculture that they would eventually distribute the food rations to the various trading blocks across the world. They called them regions at the time. And that's what regionalization is all about. The regionalization is working already. Uh, You don't realize it, but even to do with the so-called cons on carbon taxes, and sustainable development and so on, uh, you find that your own states in the U.S., for instance, are working together with provinces in Canada, bypassing the federal level altogether and doing their own little binding treaties. So it's called regions, and that's what it's, it's divided up into until it, even countries like Norway are then ascribed to other nations as belonging to certain regions, not the old Scandinavian regions that they used to belong to. They're divvying up the world to make it what they call more scientifically practicable. And that's where we are with all of this nonsense today. And it's interesting, too, as I say, that uh, most folk have already forgotten about what happened in Japan uh, quite recently and the devastation that it's caused there. It's been a total news blackout since the day they started bombing Libya. That was to become the number one story. And suddenly there's just no more information We find that um, before they were telling us, of course, that radiation levels were minuscule and tiny and all this kind of stuff. Something you can really work on a graph. You know, here's the tiny part and here's the minuscule part. In other words, we're we're too dumb and stupid to to be told the truth about anything. We wouldn't understand it. We We might panic if we saw the real levels and could find out what, you know, acceptable levels are supposed to be. And then you find, too, that they, they put up their different websites, the government websites, and we could see what the radiation levels happened to be across the world. And then as it started to rise, they simply pulled the sites off and kept talking about minuscule levels, etc., etc. Don't, don't scare the children, because the children have to keep going to work and pay taxes to keep this big mammoth system going and supply more children to go off and slaughter other people across the world until it's all completed, you see. We're all useful for that reason, and we're all expendable as well, to be honest with you. That is the reality of the system that runs the world. There's nothing at all. We tend to think, because we've been conditioned to think, that we really matter. We really matter to those at the top. But we're just numbers to those at the top. That's all we are, numbers. And they're even doing experiments in Britain, I've mentioned before, where they're going to track people from the, from basically the five years of age or even birth to the age of 30, or will continue obviously through their life, to see how they progress through life, what their income will be and so on. And that's to help the economists calculate the debt and how many folk are going to be able to pay off the debt, how much they can tax them 20 years from now, stuff like that, etc., etc. You wouldn't believe that's what it's all about. And you'll find in no old holy book that that's why people were born, of course, was to simply um, collect debts and pay them off. Uh, that, that doesn't, it seems to be absent somewhere. So something snuck in along the way to, to give us a new definition of what it means to be alive and what the reasons for living happen to be. And it's called economics, apparently. And uh, economics is held by very trusted people in very high positions who lend out to other countries this odd thing called money and compound interest, and they pay off uh, the front men, which you elect, or you think you elect, at least, um, to make sure that the system continues on the right path. And then they have hundreds and hundreds of think tanks working out geopolitics of how to take the whole world down and put it under their wings 
and stuff it away in their little cellar. Because, as I say, the world does not belong to the people and never, ever has. The people are made to be the way they've been conditioned to be. And, you know, if you had a hundred mad people all taught the same reality like Plato's cave, uh, and you have to read about Plato's cave to understand how it's quite easy, and, it's, and then you, back in ancient Greece, you can raise people to think that uh, and believe the reality you give them. And they will think that, and they'll all have the same conversations about the same reality, and that's how you judge your own sanity. You bounce off your ideas to those next to you, and they'll reply in kindness. Say, yeah, you're right, and so on and so on, because they've all had the same conditioning. But you could be absolutely start raving mad, and as long as they're all mad as well. Quite easy, isn't it? But say Japan uh, is still raining down uh, nuclear fallout across uh, the Northern Hemisphere, and we're supposed to just be worried about Obama's birth certificate and nonsense like that, because it doesn't matter who they put in there as a front man. He doesn't run the show. The guy behind him does. That's why you don't hear much about the guy behind him, just like when Bush was in. Cheney seemed to be absent most of the time. He's doing the real work. But uh, here's an article here to show you uh, from a nuclear expert, by the way, um, who found some odd radiation levels in his own garden in Kent in England. And uh, this is what it says. It says, mystery of nuclear experts, high radiation levels. Uh, this is David Strudwig, a nuclear engineer who's recorded high levels of radiation in Gravesend. Uh, that's where he found it. Uh, it says, he has 30 years experience in the industry, that's the nuclear industry, and has been left flabbergasted by the readings in his Vigo garden. The 75-year-old was carrying out a routine test with one of his Geiger counters, which detected radiation when the dial went crazy and rocketed to the highest level. He claims to have taken a number of readings up to 40 millisieverts. The government has set the public dose at one millisievert over a year. Then it says, the Environment Agency does not dispute Mr. Strudwick's readings, which is telling in itself, but claims that they were caused by a radon washout, radon washout, you see, which describes a well-known natural phenomenon, they said. And this is, telling, this is them telling this to a guy who's been in the, the nuclear industry his whole life, right? However, Mr. Strudwick says, claims this is not possible and believes he recorded some sort of nuclear fallout, which the agency denies. Well, they have to because they've all agreed to deny it, you see. I mean, Japan doesn't exist anymore, according to the media. Mr. Strudwick has lived his, uh, with his wife in the coach drive for 32 years, has suffered what he believes are radiation burns on his hands, arm, and ankle, which he claims could only have been caused by radioactive material. He said, the levels are recorded absolutely flabbergasted me. In all my years, I never thought I would see radiation of this kind outside a nuclear reactor. If radiation of this sort was recorded inside a nuclear establishment, all the sirens would be going and the building evacuated. Environment Agency radiation officers visited Mr. Strudwick to discuss his findings and concluded he'd experienced a localized natural event. <laughs> I can imagine they're all getting radiation burns in town, eh? <laughs> they said the Radiation Incident Monitoring Network System, set up after the Chernobyl nuclear disaster, did not pick up anything other than normal background radiation at monitoring stations in Gravesend or elsewhere. And a spokesman said it is satisfied there was no widespread source of man-made radiation attributable to any event at a civil or military nuclear establishment in the UK or abroad. And that will be their official parroting line. 
If you ask them anywhere else in the country, they'll all come up and say the same thing because, you see, they're all controlled by the one head you see in these organizations. That's why it's so easy to control organizations. They're supposed to monitor and so on. The guy at the head says, look, guys, this is the official story. And any odd thing that comes up, you stick to this official story. And that's exactly what they do. They do the same thing when it comes to inoculating people. And then you find that autism skyrockets. Oh, it's not caused by the inoculation. And that comes from the head of the departments that deal for government with big pharma. You see, it's the same thing across the board. So anyways, I said Japan doesn't exist anymore. It's apparently it was a non-event, all that stuff going up in the air and getting washed across America and Canada and into Europe. It's just one of them things, you see. Even when Vietnam found uranium traces in the leaves of pine trees, it was just one of them there things. I guess it was a natural phenomena, just like this poor guy here with his radiation burns. And that's how you're controlled by the media. The media literally takes it from the supposed experts that come from official sources, which is government, of course, and government's job is to treat you like children and give you little bedtime story lies. And that's what they've always done. There's nothing new about that. Something else I saw years ago and I talked about, uh, I mean, I saw when they started to show you all the SWAT teams. I remember even it was at Hill Street Blues, I think it was, it was the first series on television we got in Britain, generally after they'd shown it all in America. Uh, but it showed all these SWAT teams and all the human, uh, you know, hair pulling they'd have to do. Should we send in the SWAT teams or not? They're so concerned about civilians and stuff. But the whole show was meant to, to start to get the idea SWAT teams are necessary and every force should have them. And get used to guns and guys and wearing combat gear. Very militaristic, you see. So... I knew then, because I knew already, already knew that media's job and entertainment's job was to condition you for things to come. And um, I, I knew it would happen in the U.S. too. I'm just waiting for them all to wear the same helmets, uh, regular cops, that is. In the regular cops now all wear the same combat gear anyway. The black In Canada, it's black ties and black shirts and black everything, like the executioner. That's what black stands for. You see, it's an intimidating. It's not a color. It's in between. Uh, and uh, it's a neutral. But there they are in all their black gear. But here's the West Memphis police because of one incident, right? This is like what they did in the Soviet Union. If something happened, they passed a law that affected everyone. doesn't matter where it happened in the Soviet Union. West Memphis police now using assault rifles on traffic stops. That's routine traffic stops, folks. So uh, it says, um, police in West Memphis or Arkansas are packing serious heat these days. The department's new AR-15s, high-powered assault rifles, fully automatic, that's like machine guns, are locked and loaded and ready to be used during routine traffic stops. Isn't that comforting, eh? Have you been drinking, sir? Well, what should you answer them, eh? So it says, up until recently, West Memphis cops only carried 40 caliber Glocks on their hips and kept shotguns in their patrol cars, but now many officers have an AR-15 in the arsenal. After losing two of his men, including son Brandon, uh, to a 16-year-old armed with AK-47, uh, Chief Paul uh, Boddert says it's time to level the playing field. Well, see, that shouldn't happen. Number one, you can't have a person involved, emotionally involved already, uh, such as this police chief, to make this kind of decision. And you don't make these kind of decisions that can affect everyone because of one incident, by the way. Or we'd all be in straitjackets right now. 
And that's where they'll go with it all. And so anyway, it says, um, if Brandon had an AR-15 in his car, in his trunk, he'd still be dead, says Chief Prodot. It says, if Brandon had an AR-15 locked in his seat, he'd still be dead. You have to get out with it because you never know when the shooting is going to start. So everybody now is a potential machine gunner, right? That's how they're treating you all. Six months after Sergeant Brandon Podert and Officer Bill Evans were outgunned by two anti-government cop killers. One of the anti-government cop killers were Chief Prodert wants all of his officers armed and ready for anything. With Podert's endorsement and approval of the West Memphis City Council, the department purchased 30 AR-15s to use out in the field. I guess it was to do hunting for mice. I guess we're the mice now in the field. Every officer will stand back when he... That's it's all military terminology they're using now. Uh, every officer will stand back when he backs up a fellow officer, Perot tells uh, abc24.com, with an AR-15 at the ready uh, period. There's going to be some squawk in the community that we're getting machine guns. That's just too bad. That's just the way it is. We're going to protect our officers. You understand where this is all going? Hmm? West Memphis and resident Robert McKinney is leery of the plan, even though the officers have to get specialized training and be on the force for at least one year before using their AR-15s. Training or not, says McKinney, that's very intimidating. I wouldn't be comfortable with it pointed at me or anywhere near me. Like They could actually dis- uh, discharge it or whatever. Do you know how many folk in the U.S. Army come back getting shot by their own people? It's astronomical. Anyway, then they've got a story in there by someone who knows the family. Joy Harrell knows the family of Officer Evans. She understands the WMPD's desire for more protection. I'm sure there'll be some who will be upset, said Harrell. But I believe in our police force. I know one of the officers who got shot. I go to church with his sisters, and I'm for it, really. So they always give you the ones who are for it, because, again, they're emotionally involved. Whether it's on the city streets or on the interstate, Chief Prodert wants his officers to be able to match the firepower available to the bad guys. So everybody's going to be a bad guy now, and you're going to get some machine gun pointed at you. That's really the prototype for the U.S., and it's been coming for a long, long time, because every army has been, every every army, every police force have been the biggest purchasers now of military weaponry outside of the the military itself is the police forces. They want it all. They want all these toys. And there's even agencies working for the military-industrial complex that routinely go out with their marketers trying to sell all their gear onto the police forces and t- councils of towns and cities and so on. And the cops want it because of all being brought up on television and they want to be the big guys with the guns and stuff like that, you see. So this is going, going to really skyrocket now. It's, well, they've got them in the next state. Why shouldn't we get them? That's how they do it nowadays. But there's things to come and it's, it's already here. In uh, New Zealand, of course, they're catching up with the U.S. and every other country with the compulsory electronic identification and tracking systems for livestock. And it says, Big Brother is coming to an animal farm near you. Parliament's primary production committee will today hear submissions in the government's national animal identification and tracing bill. The NAIT regime is called NAIT. First mooted by the last Labour government, that was the Fabian Socialists that were there before the present Fabian Socialists, and picked up by National as a data recording and collection system by which cattle and deer will be chipped with information collected and held on a database. 
Agricultural Minister David Carter said the system would bring New Zealand into line with many other countries. I just like the cops here, you see. Well, you see, they're doing it elsewhere, so we should do it too. That's the excuse to do for these international treaties that they haven't told you they've signed already <laughs> through the UN. And will deliver benefits of at least $30 million a year. Utter rubbish. How is it going to deliver any benefits? It's going to cost a fortune, which the taxpayers will pay or the purchaser will pay after the, the farmer pays it. Everything gets passed on to the consumer. Well, the system wouldn't help prevent an outbreak of foot and mouth disease. It could reduce the financial impact by as much as $1 billion over two years. What, what financial impacts? If it won't stop anything. Yeah. However, the legislation has the support of the meat industry, which is owned by the packers, of course, just like the U.S. and Canada. It is bitterly opposed by federal farmers, whose dairy sector spokesman Lachlan McKenzie will present the organization's submissions this afternoon. So anyway, they're getting the same... Run around as the rest. Everything is going to end up on the big master world computer. They'll probably call it Jehovah or something like that, you know. And we'll all be sacrificed to the altar of Jehovah. Every Everything that walks, you know, flies or, or whatever is going to be on it. And it's just astonishing that people can't see it coming. Uh, and there'll be people with absolute ultimate power on, the, on, on this, this world who literally have all data on everybody, every living thing, up, up to the date, real-time information, above all intelligence agencies, because actually there is one above all the ones that you know of, and it's global. And I get so fed up with uh, people who still forget that every communications device, even before the mid-90s when they passed the laws to chip all these communication devices, was passed worldwide at the same time through a treaty. I get fed up with people who, who can't really get that through their heads. And you're amazed when people prattle on the phones or what they'll tell you sometime about personal stuff that, that no one should know. I've told people before, talking to them on the phones, there's always a third ear here, so be careful what you say. And it should be the same thing too. There's another pair of eyes here when you, when you send off your emails to different people. And folk can't learn. They can't learn. If you want something to be quiet and secretive, don't tell anybody. And Google and Apple, of course, collect location data from computers. I mean, this is like, uh, not, this is a non-sequitur, this whole darn thing about them collecting information about you. You see, they were doing it from the first computer they gave you before they passed the laws. Why are you so surprised? Back with more after this break. You're listening to the Republic Broadcasting Network because you can handle the truth. Hi, folks. We're back, cutting through the matrix. And, you know, as I say, I'm so surprised at people. They, they never really get it. It's just like Japan. It's out their head as soon as it's gone from the media. And they forget, too, that they're being tracked and traced and everything they do is being happily scooped up by government agencies uh, 24 hours a day. 
So Google and Apple collect and store information about the location of personal computers as well as mobile devices. That's not new. According to company executives, disclosures that may heighten concerns about the scope of data collected by tech companies. This is coming from Australia too, this particular article. Apple gathers information from some Apple Macintosh computers connected to Wi-Fi networks, and Google collects data from Wi-Fi-connected computers that use Google's Chrome browser or search toolbar. They obtain information after a computer scans the area around itself for available Wi-Fi networks, typically after users give up a website permission to determine the computer's location. This is the disclosures, disclosures came in an interview with a Google executive and a letter from Apple executives to federal lawmakers. In most cases, the companies ask users for permission before gathering their information. Well, who's going to allow them the information? <laughs> but sometimes when they ask, it isn't clear exactly how the data will be stored and used. Well, that's another reason not to do it. Deny it. Some people, some Apple computers send location information to Apple if a user asks the computer to use its location to automatically display the correct local time. And that, that is true too. There's a little Trojan in there that comes with most computers now that keeps the time exactly right. But it's a little, it is a Trojan. What else is it sending back? This is last week the Wall Street Journal reported that mobile phones using Apple and Google software regularly transmit their locations back to the companies. Well, they all do. They all do. You ever wondered about these free antivirus and, and so on programs and malware programs that you get? They're all free. Uh, some guy sitting in a, in a shed somewhere you think is, is just generously putting us all together, working full time, 24 hours a day to bring you this free program so that you can feel safe. Do you really think that's what it's all about? Do you really, really believe that? It's never been like that. Everything is data collection for the big boys. The illusion is it's, it's all different agencies and different people doing different things, all for your benefit. That's the illusion you get. That's how you run a world and make them think they're free. It's quite easy. So anyway, I mean, personally, I'd be quite happy, you know, once I eventually go off the air and just toss the computer out the window and uh, never see it again because I really don't need it uh, except for doing broadcasts like this. Because I've got paper books on everything that they could possibly get my hands on over the years. I collected and collected. And as I say, that's the only safe way you can be. Um, and you can certainly teach privately too uh, when you have the documentation, physical documentation in your hands and you're not hoping for stuff coming off the emails. I mean, the, the, the net uh, as ebooks and so on, which are always revised. And stuff goes down the memory hole. You've got to have the hard, the hard copies in paperback or, or hardback or whatever. Every time they have wars, of course, it helps to overcrowd the, the overcrowded cities of Europe because they're overcrowded by mass immigration because they have to bring in newcomers who will actually have children uh, because they have families, you see, from those countries that they're bringing in from. They actually believe in families and they have children. It's amazing, isn't it? Strange concept. And uh, uh, they have to bring them in all the time to pay off the national debt. That's what every country is telling you as they mix multiculturally the societies together to destroy the existing cultures. And that, that came out at Tony Blair's from his uh, the, the assistant prime minister. He disclosed that in the papers a while ago. So they love these wars because these wars always start the refugees coming in from the countries that those same country, countries in the West are pounding with their air forces and their armies. It's guaranteed to get the people who've had enough 
uh, want to go to somewhere safer and they see it as being the winners, uh, those in the West are doing all the damage. So now they start arguing about the refugees coming in. It says the Eurostar migrants, North African refugees mass at the Paris Gateway to Britain as Sarkozy and Berlusconi row about their open borders. Immigrants who have fled Tunisia say Britain is their only hope. They shouldn't say that, because unless they're bringing very long snorkels, because Britain's sinking under the weight of everybody. Anyway, Franco-Italian immigration problems come amid international business tensions and discord over Libya, etc., etc. So all this is driving immigrants into these countries. Despite immigrants fleeing the chaos in North Africa that the West is causing, and they're massing around the, the Eurostar terminal in Paris, prompting fears that they will lead, they will head for Britain, which has the best welfare system yet. Uh, it's really, even yet, there's some people from certain countries coming over there uh, who are taking incredible, one of them was living in a 40,000 pounds uh, per week house, paid for by the, the taxpayer. You know, and they was claiming every benefit you can imagine, which the people who live there can't get these benefits. Not, certainly not at that kind of height anyway. Anyway, most are refugees from the recent revolution in Tunisia and the continuing conflict in Libya who've arrived in Europe via Italy. Italy takes Syria out too, and in Iran, as is, you know. <laughs> up to 1,000 North Africans have set up temporary home, homes in squares surrounding the Gare du Nord, from which fast trains reach the UK in less than two hours. Uh, almost all are complaining about harassment from the French authorities. They say their hopes of finding accommodation and jobs in France are next to nil. And Nicolas Sarkozy has pledged all he can to get rid of the, the migrants. Well, stop bombing them, eh? Stop bombing their countries, eh? <laughs> Some 25,000 North Africans have arrived in Italy by sea since the start of the Arab Spring, these so-called paid-for-Western-financed revolutions, and many then move on to France. Paris has accused Rome of abusing the Schengen Open Borders Treaty, which allows free movement of people between 25 countries in Europe by issuing travel documents to migrants fleeing North Africa. Some of the others in Paris are illegal immigrants who, who may pay uh, people smugglers up to £1,000 a head to make the journey to Britain, where they can claim asylum or else disappear into the black economy. It may be our only hope, said Hamidi Tricky, a 19-year-old Tunisian who travelled by boat to Italy and then by train. Many of us believe that France would offer us a future because we speak French and have family here, but the French do not want to help us. No, they only want your land. That's all. Don't worry about it. So there's the reality of the news. It's amazing, you know, nothing changes in thousands of years. You always get the official history of how, you know, ancient Rome and even the Greeks at one point we're spreading the civilization across the world with, with uh, bloody swords and all the rest of it. And, and then, of course, you get the real story uh, that um, they're plundering uh, everything around them uh, for their cash and their resources and, and slaves and all the rest of it. Quite something, eh? Now, another article, too, is controlling information in the news. And uh, I'm going to put this link up tonight. Um, it's a, it's a, I think it's a BBC thing, but it was from, from Chatham House uh, about who controls uh, the power in the Internet age. And um, it should be quite a, a, an interesting talk to listen to as you go through. I mean, it's stage for the public, but it's got all the big players there, all the sirs and etc., and general secretaries of different organizations talking about who controls the real power 
uh, in the internet age. And we, we well, we know it's certainly not the people. And then you go into this next one. It's quite funny. It's to do with um, U.S. passports. And it says here that uh, if it's a proposed uh, questionnaire for U.S. passports. And you wouldn't believe the questions they ask you. Uh, if you can't find your, your, your birth certificate like Obama, you know, just make it up on some little cheap uh, program on the computer. It says here, uh, for instance, who was present when you were born? Who was present when you were born? Well, can you remember that? <laughs> can you remember every address you, uh, you've ever had? How about every place you've ever worked? And then, were you circumcised? Were you circumcised? Huh? And it says, what have I told you? Those are some of the queries the State Department is proposing for a new biographical questionnaire as part of passport applications. It sounds absurd, doesn't it? But it's true. And there's a link there to the actual site. And it really is phenomenal. Uh, according to Boing Boing, the form is meant for those who, while applying for a passport, can't produce a birth certificate. But as the FA suggests, the site notes, the circumstances in which people unable to provide a birth certificate will be given this form rather than the traditional bureaucratic investigation and are, are not spelled out. Further, the form itself remains a, a, a Kafka-esque impossibility for most people to complete. And it's true. Uh, I even asks you uh, where your mother lived uh, before you were born and stuff like this. Uh, even Even grandparents and all that kind of, it's absolutely impossible to complete. Bureaucrats are strange, a strange creature, aren't they? They're strange creatures. You, you can't get into their headspace. You just can't do it. It's, it's impossible. The stuff that they come up with that causes everybody else so many incredible problems. And then you've got some, another link I'm putting up tonight too. It's on the Club of Rome and now, the Club of Rome, again, is a big think tank, global think tank, one of these private institutions linked to the Trilateral Commission and the CFR and the United Nations. And uh, they, they present, basically, suggestions for all the big boys to follow to bring about this planned sustainable society on in the world. But uh, this, this has got a lot of their talks on it, and you can actually look into the links they, they present on their site, and some of it's quite interesting. Interesting. Last night I mentioned Globe International, who uh, gets funded by the taxpayer private so-called charitable organization that also does a lot of funding and shifting of cash back and forth across the world. They fly in uh, thousands of people to attend uh, the various world uh, um, meetings on climate changes and all the rest of it and carbon taxes. And they've spoken as a company in uh, Parliament in Britain. You can't do that, but they can do that. And um, it's got a statement from Globe International Legislators Forum to leaders of the G8 and Major Economies Forum as well. So this is this big, massive private organization who gets paid through the BBC as well and through the British taxpayer to not represent them. And making, telling the government what to do. So I'll put that link up too. And it's got other speeches by their members as well. And it's quite interesting. If you, if you really want to know what's going on, this is where you find the stuff not from the mainstream. Now, another set I'm putting up too is on Mexican narco trafficking. 
and it's to do with Revelation exposes the drug war's duplicity. This is a high-level player with one of the most notorious narco-trafficking organizations in Mexico. The Sinaloa cartel claims he's been working with the U.S. government for years, according to pleadings filed recently in a federal court in Chicago. That player, Jesus Vicente Zambada Niebla, is the son of Ismael El Mayo Zambada Garcia, one of the purported top leaders of the Sinaloa drug trafficking organization. Zambada Niebla was arrested in Mexico in March 2009 and last February extradited to the United States to stand trial on narco-trafficking-related charges. The indictment, the indictment pending against Zambada Niebla claims he served as a logistical coordinator for the cartel, helping to oversee an operation that imported into the U.S. multi-ton quantities of cocaine using various means, including but not limited to Boeing 747s, cargo aircraft, private aircraft, buses, rail, cars, tractor trailers, and automobiles. And for those two who remember all the scandals that broke out in the past, there's been so many scandals with the U.S. agencies using drugs uh, for, to buy weapons across the world, black budgets, all the rest of it. And, and Bill Clinton, of course, was steeped up to his eyeballs in, in that too. That's why they put him in there as a payoff for allowing the stuff to come into his own state too by the CIA. Anyway, I'll put this link up and you can look through it for yourself because big business is all, big government has always been involved with the drug trading. Look who brought all the dope into, and hashish and so on, and opium into China. It was all the big boys who eventually uh, went to Yale and all the families that went to Yale, and some of, your, of the descendants are still running the U.S. yet, and Britain too. But uh, yet this is the real world. It's, it's a real world that's so far removed from that nice little Disney uh, world that you, you like to believe in, and it's sort of distant too from the little dramas they put on your television shows for you uh, as well. It's way, way above all of that. Nothing's as it seems to be in the real world, it's always a, a generally the opposite meaning of, of a term or a name or a title or whatever. It's generally the opposite thing that they're involved in. And so that's the way the world is really, really run. And then to get things even crazier, you find that uh, to do with um, bringing in more and more cash, of course. Uh, here's from Britain. £350 it costs you to run in the park. So fitness trainers, nannies and teachers hit by fees by councils. Who classifies it as a workplace? And uh, they're, all, they're all claiming sour grapes and so on. Personal trainers, nannies, dog walkers, and even teachers face hefty bills for using public parks under a town hall diktat. They're using all the communist terminology, which is good, actually. Council chiefs have decided anyone using open spaces for business must pay for the privilege. You see, in this new world order, everything is a fee for a privilege. There's no rights, you see. Personal trainers like Zibi Mucha and football coaches have already been hit by the police, uh, by the policy devised by West London Authority and it's likely to be copied by other councils across the country. The rules say that if anyone is making money by being in a park, they will be billed. That means that a paid nanny pushing a, a pram, a baby in a pram, a paid dog walker or a nursery school teacher leading her charges through the local park could face bills of 350 to £1,200 per year. Mr. Mucha, 35, who works in Hurlington Park in Putney, South London, was exercising with a client when a park ranger told him he couldn't operate without filling in a form. This bureaucracy is just a start. I'm not kidding. It's bad enough right now. Wait for a a few years comes by. You see, you're in the new Soviet system. 
run by masses of, 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 of bureaucracies and levels of bureaucracies right down to the guys on the streets from all kinds of agencies. It says, Mr. Mucha, who charges clients around 45 per an hour, said the warden asked if I got a license to be in the park. Licensing. Mind you, I think it's right. I think joggers and that should pay extra because after all, with all that heavy breathing and stuff and people who have too much sex, they're, they're putting too much CO2 into the atmosphere and I think really we should get discounts on us if we're breathing normally. There you go. Now, there's some folk on the phones. I'll try and squeeze them and I'll try Steve from Connecticut. Hello? Hello? Yes. How are you? Not too bad. About a year. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, that jogger should be put away. I mean, his carbon footprint. You're darn right. It's yeah. too extreme. Very extreme. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, I wanted to comment on basically how the media uh, basically molds how we think. I mean, I saw I saw a report the other day on how not to lose your car keys, <laughs> and this yeah. went on for like two minutes. Yeah. Hold on a second. I'll be back with you, and you can tell me about it. Folks, we're back, cutting through the matrix, talking to Steve from Connecticut about uh, car keys. He was telling me about car keys. On you go, Steve. Yeah, it's just a joke how they basically, you know, they tell us how to think and even, you know, mm-hmm. what you know, what to wear. You watch the Weather Channel, they let you know when to wear your gloves and your thermal underwear. It's like, I mean... Mm-hmm. And, and your radiation suit, too. Yeah, yeah it's, it's, <laughs> it's just a joke. I mean, I don't know if you guys in Canada have those... Uh, Sunday, like, oh, yeah. See, all this started in Britain, and it came to all the British Commonwealth countries. And I've got a, an, a, an old MP3 here of, of all the ads the British government put out across the Commonwealth countries, telling them from the 1940s onwards how to do certain things. There's hundreds and hundreds of them. Yeah, yeah hundreds like, of you them. Said, like you said, they put the experts up there for you. I mean, mm-hmm. you don't yep. come to your own conclusion yep. because you have some expert from Harvard in some suit telling you how to think. That's, that's that right. And, and Bertrand, Russell, Bertrand Russell said that, that uh, in the, the 20s and 30s, he said that uh, they were at then that they were training the public uh, to only listen to experts to, so that they wouldn't listen to themselves. You wouldn't think for yourself or you'd doubt yourself. They were training them to actually doubt themselves and to only listen to experts way back then. Uh, and they've, they've achieved their goal today. They have to achieve that goal. Most folk cannot think for themselves. You're quite right. Yeah. yeah, I don't know if you have those political shows on Sunday, but we do down here, and it's always, you know, a Republican versus a Democrat yeah. and how they're making these cuts for us or they're, you know, raising taxes, but they don't get to the under, you know, the underlying cause of everything, and that's because of the problems we're in is because of uh, cheap money. Mm-hmm. Oh, money. There's no doubt about it. Unless you, you, and you, this is the whole key to everything, unless this, this primal question is answered uh, of money, uh, that doesn't matter. As long as the guys who are in charge today uh, are staying in charge of it, nothing is going to change for the better of the public. Nothing at all. This crazy creation of cash and who controls it. Uh, nothing will change. That's the one thing that must go altogether. And as you see, Canada did have uh, a, a banking system. Uh, right through the Great Depression, the last one, 
and they came from all over the world to find out how Canada did not get into debt is because it issued its own cash. That's why. And it, it borrowed from no private bank whatsoever. And that lasted up until uh, after World War Two, and, and then in the 60s and 70s, Trudeau got in and, and he started, uh, changed it all into private banking. So we borrow from private banks. But after World War Two, Canada pretty well had no national debt at all. And what gets me, too, is like, you know, a lot of these other show, uh, alternate uh, media sites are claiming we're in a currency war. Mm-hmm. But if, if we have central banks throughout the world and they're all under the same umbrella, the IMF and the you know, Bank of International uh, Settlements, which is above that, you know, like you said, we're living through a script. You're living through a script and there's 13 banking families lent to the whole world. 13. China, China's set to win. China's set to work, win because we set China up to win, and the 13 banking families have got them in their pocket too. China's not independent. So this whole illusion of the dollar getting devalued like it's, you know, mm-hmm. we're being outsmarted by other businessmen in other countries with yeah. Trump claims <laughs> is happening, is yeah. a total, it's a total fallacy. It's, all it's a fallacy. They, they were printing scripted. up, when they set up the World Trade Organization and the GATT Treaty, to build up China and in your tax money paid for it all and set off the factories. They knew then exactly when the dollar was going to go down as the, as the main trading exchange currency for the world. They knew way back then what they were, it was going to happen now. And they were right on. It was planned that way. You're right. But thanks for calling and um, for looking for Vermont. Maybe try tomorrow from Hamish myself from Ontario, Canada. It's good night to me. Your God or your gods go with you.